Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome, welcome. Hello. So we've got an interesting show coming up. We're going to be talking about a real-life almost security disaster uh, situation that happened. We're going to be talking. Steve's coming on. He's got a guest, a follow-up, actually, from a guest he had a while back, and I will leave that for him to introduce. We've had a lot of positive feedback, so we wanted to just dig into that a little bit further. And uh, we're going to be talking about crowdfunding. And these are these uh, websites. You've probably heard of them, uh, you know, that you can go on and raise money for a project. There's a number of them out there. But they all do different things, and they actually can help out to make a project happen that wouldn't otherwise. We've all actually participated in them and been pretty good. So next weekend is 4th of July. We're going to be offering a clip show that weekend. We've got some really cool things that we're going to be reviewing. And, uh, you know, a little secret thing that also allows us to take the week off. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope everybody next week enjoys their 4th of July. This year is going by so fast. It's just absolutely amazing. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we're getting there. So. All right. Well, send in your questions and your comments. 503-766-6264 is the phone number. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Userfriendlyshow.com. We are getting very close to launching our new site. We're going to have a lot of different interaction. One of the things that we're going to be trying out is having an audience while we're recording. So the way that this show actually works is we record a couple of days before, usually on Wednesday, the majority of it. And then uh, we put the news together, and of course it airs on Saturday, and then the podcast comes out after that. But we've got a lot of questions coming in, and a, one of them has been that it would be nice to be able to interact with certain things. So we're going to attempt it. I don't promise that it will work, but it will be <laughs> kind of fun to at least try. Okay, this is, this, this is the first I've heard of this, and uh, you know I have a reputation for swearing. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, we've heard about that. I'm And I'm just watching you across the studio here going, we're going to do what? Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, there's going to be some other cool things that we're going to be able to try as well. But that's going to be one of the first ones. All right. Well, what do we have in the news this week? Microsoft decides AI that guesses your emotions could be misused and shouldn't be available to everyone. (laughs) Okay, so that I'm is, sorry. Yeah. I keep thinking of the Big Bang Theory, you know, yeah. and Sheldon. Yeah, you know, I kind of get that, and it's uh, that, <laughs> the box that, that identifies. Well. No, but you know that some of that was well, that was fiction at the time. But it's kind of interesting that we're getting to a point now where uh, these things are actually coming out. Now, Microsoft had an incident a few years ago with another AI they were developing that was out for one day and ended up becoming like this racist monster. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they had to turn it off because of that. And uh, uh, this particular one, they've had some other issues too. Uh, the specific quote from Microsoft said that they're going to halt the sales of the technology that predicts a person's emotion, gender, or age, and restrict access to some of their other AI services because it risks quote subjecting people to stereotyping, discrimination, or unfair denial of services. End quote. And actually, that does kind of make some sense, you know. Wow. <laughs> That's just what we need, a a bot that's not cool for (laughs) Yeah, Well, you know, these things are coming up. The technology progresses. Another kind of side note on this is that Google had an engineer that uh, came out and said that he believed one of their AIs was sentient. And, of course, Google said, well, it's not. And this has created some debate, too. In fact, 
uh, towards the end of July, we're going to have a guest on to talk about this a little bit. Okay. But our technology is really kind of running in an interesting direction here. And some of this is a little more sci-fi than I think we're ready for right now. <laughs> mm. All right. Gravity is the next frontier in batteries. Yeah. So this, you know, they're doing, of course, continuing to do a lot of research on ways to generate energy without creating carbon. And a lot of this is gearing way up right now in Europe. They're having a lot of problems because of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the energy crisis that that's causing. But the thing of it is, is renewable energy is a necessity that we need to head towards too anyway. And we have seen wind, tide, sun, energy, that type of a thing. But gravity is another one here. That's This is kind of an interesting idea. And this uses suspended weights. And the gravity weights drop when energy is needed, and it creates the energy through that process. Weird. So all of this comes down to how you turn the wheel on the generator, whether that's nuclear energy with steam or coal energy burning, you know, and creating heat for that, wind energy turning the windmill, or this idea of using gravity. And we have an unlimited amount of it, as far as I know. <laughs> so <laughs> we start so this falling off the planet, then, you know, we're running out. <laughs> I, do th I do think that what's happening right now in the world is going to push us ahead a little bit on this. And alternative energy is in its infancy, and it does have some problems. But the more that we can invest in it, I, I can assure you that when the electricity and the electrical systems we had first came out, they had to work some bugs out of them too. So it is good to see some of these other ideas getting to a proof of concept stage and maybe actually being used. Plastic processors for less than a penny a piece. What's yeah, that? About? I saw this and I called the people that were putting this together to uh, find out about this. And I, I'm also going to see if I can get somebody from my triple on to talk about these because these are kind of cool. And what it basically is, is the headline says it's a processor that's made out of plastic. Now, it does have some metal components to it, but it's flexible. It's small. It doesn't produce as much heat. It can be made a lot easier, and it costs less. So the prototype is called Plastic Arm, and it's something that is, if it works, going to be very, very beneficial. With the Internet of Things and all of the other stuff that we have around that use computers, and right now with the chip shortage, coming up with another way to do this, you know, a better mousetrap, so to speak, hmm. could really have some positive outcome if it can fix some of the problems that we're dealing with right now. Now, the initial processor that's coming out is not going to be the same thing as your 11th generation Intel processor and your Alienware gaming machine, but right. it is definitely something that's going to be able to run some of the smaller fixed devices that we have all over the place. The other place I could see this being used is cars for specific functions as well. Hmm. That sounds kind of cool. All right, apparently, <clears throat> Crypto Winter is here. Yeah, this is something I we've talked about cryptocurrency and all of that in the past number of time here and on other places. And I've always said that if you want to invest in it, that's fine. But in my opinion, use the same money you would to play the slot machine in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's going on with this right now is that with all of the uncertainty and the volatility of things like the stock market, it's really caused crypto to just kind of come unglued. Bitcoin, which was over $60,000 just a few months ago, dropped down to seventeen last weekend. Hmm. And what this means is, is that if you've invested in this, now you're really losing a lot of that investment. And cryptocurrency, 
as far as all of that goes, is something that isn't really connected to anything. So it's kind of like uh, virtual money. Actually, it's not kind of like it is virtual money. But even some of the other things like stable coin that is pegged to the value of a regular currency, like a dollar or whatever, uh, those have been losing value too. So, you know, we're seeing this kind of happening all over the place. There's a lot of different opinion. Is it time to buy in the dip now? Will the value come back? I know from my own standpoint, I'm just watching the numbers. This hasn't been something that I've jumped on and now I'm really glad I didn't. And I think that definitely for things like a retirement portfolio or your rent money, using standard investments, which also can be very risky, but there's a little bit more of the ability to know kind of what's going to happen with all of that and don't use money that you can't afford to lose. Toyota will recycle electric vehicle batteries with Tesla's co-founders project. So electric vehicles right now are becoming more and more sought after. In fact, as the used car market has been really building up because of the inability to get new cars sometimes and the price is going up, the top four of the 10 sought-after vehicles are either hybrid or electric cars, things like the Nissan Leaf, you know, and those type of vehicles. But the big thing that we've talked about with this has been batteries because right now there is no real way to recycle the batteries. So they tend to end up in landfills and leach chemicals and all kinds of other things. And this is the first project mm-hmm. that I've seen that seems to be taking some of the bigger names, Toyota, a co-founder of Tesla, the company that's doing it is Redwood Materials, to actually figure out a way to deal with this problem. And they can take the old worn out batteries and either refurbish them or break them down so that their materials can be used to create new batteries. So like real recycling. That's kind of cool. And yeah, and I think, you know, if we can see this, this is going to be a major hurdle into making electric vehicles actually green. You know, in the sense that now all of a sudden we're not creating a trash problem because the batteries don't last that long in the grand scheme of things. Certainly not as long as an internal combustion engine would if you take care of it. I mean, you're looking at changing the battery pack, and right now it's expensive. That battery pack will most likely end up in a landfill, and it's just not a it's not a good thing. Now, again, you know, we're working on new technology and building into these things, and at the end of the day, there's going to be some hurdles to cross, of which this is one of them. And I like to see the fact that there is actually research being done on this. And I think we're going to end up with a solution. Got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Well, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, you know, it's uh, often that I'll sometimes bring back a guest because they had just one too many stories that were really, <laughs> really good and great to get them all in one run. So I'm sitting down again with uh, Gino Romo, and he's portraying a character. What, what's the name of your, what's the, of your character in the film that you're working on? Zagan. Zagan. Fatal Encounter emergence of talents. So, Gino, welcome back to User-Friendly. I appreciate it. The Zagan character, what is he? Who is he? Well, he's a supreme leader of um, of the world at, in this film. Oh, of uh, the world. Yeah, because that's kind of, that's the reason why I say that is because that's pretty much uh, the first scene in this film is, uh, well, the first scene of, of Zagan's character when you ever see him in this movie 
um, he's addressing the world. Okay. And so, I mean, like the first, you know, sentence out of his mouth is greeting citizens of the world, you know? Okay. So when I, you know, when I read this script, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, cause I'm obviously not a Supreme leader, but, um, the word verbiage was fun, you know? Okay. And so basically he's a uh, Supreme leader of this, of the world. And, um, he's a biohuman. He's not really, you know, he's half human and, and then half biohuman. So oh. uh, the whole idea with him is that he has the keys to changing and evolving the human race. Okay. With biohuman technology, I guess you would say. Now, is that a way of, is that how he came to be? The supreme ruler is because the, these biohumans are like, are they like superhuman? Yeah, I mean, he's good. he's the fastest and strongest human in the in, in the planet okay. in, in this movie. As a matter of fact, he, nobody there's nobody else faster or stronger than him. Nice. So, how did you come to be in this film? <laughs> That's I keep asking that question myself. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, uh, it was by accident. Obviously, today in 2022, you know, I've been an actor since about 96 is when I started in Portland, as a matter of fact. And um, I just rolled through the years. But this particular project, uh, which is kind of awesome, I didn't audition. I did not audition for this project. How do you get a role without auditioning? I think it started in 96. <laughs> <laughs> Because okay. it's called longevity. It, that's the only thing I can see. I think I got a strong enough demo reel okay. where I have stars on my reel that I'm acting opposite. And that's, oh, nice. You know, there's, it's not every scene, but there's at least three or four scenes where, or maybe even five on my demo reel uh, where you can see other big stars okay. that you've seen on television that are, that this is what they do for a living, you know, bigger right. names. So. I just, you know, over the years got lucky to finally evolve to that. And that was the idea back in 96. Of course, you don't know if you don't keep going. Sure. So. Now, are you classically trained as an actor? I mean, is it there's a formal background or education in acting for theater? No. Really? Is right. this something you just liked? You know, yeah. And it, that just kind of goes with the story of my life. Um, and it started at a young age. Uh, but to fast forward and skip all that for time purposes, um, in uh, when I was in fifth grade, I was in 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 this elementary school, and the local high school was coming around, and they were uh, casting for Oliver. Now, Oliver Twist is a sure. kid film, yes, or a kid play, you know. And so, obviously, they casted the leads and whatnot through the high school, but they needed to they needed to fill this thing with this cast with kids, right? So they went around to two or three uh, schools, and I just happened to be one that they one of them. That they picked. I wasn't all of them. Okay, that was my next question. I wish. Okay. If they were doing it now, I'd try to get my kid in because <laughs> he's, he's surprising me every day. But huh. um, so I just, you know, I got involved in that. I think I had one solo, just a little tiny solo in one of the songs. But that whole process did something to me at a yeah. young age. It, I don't know what it was. I think it's pro obviously it was just the time I spent with that cast and those people mm -hmm. which was weeks i mean you're not doing this overnight no you know you got to be in rehearsal space theaters in intense when it comes to if you're booked on a, a theater show you know that hey it's a grueling schedule but yes. you want it to be grueling because by the time you hit the stage you don't want to be messing up you know so right 
Uh, so that's the kind of the start of that. Now, it didn't really start happening till about 96. Um, but high school was a whole nother deal. I, I did act, but not professionally. I did some show group stuff. And that, again, I did that three years straight. And it, it's just the camaraderie. I really got bit. So after high school, I, I tried to get some stuff. Uh, I, I moved back to Oregon because I went to high school in California. And I tried to just get on an after-school special. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and it didn't right. happen. No. I got booked on something else, and I've been acting ever since. So. so what are some of the other things we might have seen you in? Well, you can always check my IMDb out. It's Gino Romo, G-E-N-O-R-O-M-O. That's a stage name, obviously. Gino okay. is my first name. Yes. You know, I started out in Lifetime Films in Portland. Okay. Uh, there's a background company at the time called Background Action. Emily and Angela ran it. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was going for an after-school special, and so I showed up. Nobody actually opened the door. That's what was really weird. They said, oh, yeah, come on down and see us, you know. And I went down there, and it just shows you. And I knew right then, this industry is not going to be easy. No. So I was knocking on this door for like, you know, it seemed like off and on for 15 minutes. And then I almost gave up. I actually went out to the car and said, ah, I think I'm just going to drive home, which I okay. was about an hour out of Portland at the time. And I still am. And I just said, you know, maybe you should go up one more time, try to pass that headshot, maybe just say hi to somebody. Right. And I did. I just said, no, nah, intuition said go back. So I went back up, knocked on the door, and the door opens about an inch. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm not trying to bother you guys. I'm just trying to give you a headshot. I'm Gino. I called earlier. And they're like, thank you. So by the time I get home, this ain't a joke. My phone rang. No way. And I was just over the moon because I, I, I thought I got the after school special, right? But I, I didn't even know what I was there for, uh -huh. honestly. And they actually booked me as a cop lieutenant in, uh, in the line of duty Blaze of Glory. And that uh, was I a remember TV, hearing about that TV movie of the week. And so I was wow. seen a bunch of times. I didn't speak, but I was okay. seen like three scenes as a full fledged uniformed cop. Sure. And of course, Bruce Campbell and Lori Laughlin were the stars of that. So. That was kind of my beginning at professional. That happened on your way home. You barely got home. Right. That doesn't happen very often, or I was, if, if ever. You, I, you know, I just I credit it to the intuition of don't, don't just let this industry stomp you. Yeah. Go back in there. You feel that you it's need to tough. go back in there. It's tough. It's very tough. And over the years, I just was, I, I came in as an extra and, and okay. I did a lot of lifetime. That lifetime was doing a lot of films in the 90s in Oregon because our incentives were high. Yeah. And just over the time and the years, you know, I moved from background to always being seen. They always place me with the stars of it, whether I'm passenger number one at the airport. Sure. It doesn't matter. I'm still in the middle of a three shot right. with two stars in front of me. And I'm right. just like looking like I just want to board the plane, you know, <laughs> you know, that's what I felt like I was doing. And uh, it just kept working and kept working. Well, you know, that one of these days they are going to have to give me an hour show because the eight, eight minutes, 20 seconds isn't enough to talk to you. It just isn't. It really isn't. You know, Gino, I appreciate you being with us here again on user friendly. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this fatal encounter, emergence of talents. Is that what it is? I yeah, thought it was I, rise of the talents. Uh, well, I, I'm the, the director right. told me emergence of I'm talents. Not gonna, I'm not arguing. And I'm not going to argue with him either. <laughs> so I do appreciate you being yeah, here. Bill, Jeremy, that. and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, as always, thank you. We'll be back after the break.
welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. 503-766-6264 is our phone number. One User Friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. Any of those places are good to go. That's how we do a lot of our programming, and we love mm-hmm. to answer your questions. Security is something that has always been on everybody's plate. I mean, since the internet came online and even before that, if you've connected your information's out there and somebody somewhere is going to come up with a creative way to do it. And these bad actors and hackers and social engineers and different things are people that do what they do because they're good at it. They do what they do because they trick people. And it's one of the first things is it's not to feel bad about it when it happens because it can happen to all of us. A very good friend of ours actually just got hit with one of these things almost. Uh, This happened very recently and I get a phone call uh, with the person at a store, very upset, trying to figure out what to do buying gift cards. So I started asking some That's a big (laughs) sign, you know, and and this is an individual that's extremely intelligent, I might add. Normally, this wouldn't be the case, but they're good at getting you wrapped and wound up. So I said, okay, number one, take a breath. Number two, don't buy any gift cards and let's figure out what's going on. So what ended up happening from my understanding that I found out later is her uh, partner got a phone call. And it was an automated recording. This is the Amazon security department, which doesn't exist under that name. But anyway, this is the Amazon security department. We just wanted to confirm your purchase of an iPhone for $900, whatever the amount was. Uh, press one if to confirm it. Press two if you didn't do it. So of course, she didn't order it. So she presses two. Well, that immediately connects her to the hacker. So the person comes on the phone. Oh, ma'am, let me help you out with this. Uh, obviously, your information got out there somehow. So we, we need to do a number of different things. And within 45 mm. minutes, um, they were out buying gift cards. And what really got scary to me is this hacker had managed to get in and take control through a, a screen sharing utility, her computer. Wow. So he was actually able to type and get into it and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm, I'm so glad they called me because I was able to stop it before anything really bad happened. They scammed him out of a hundred bucks on an Xbox card, but, That was about it, and that got handled with the credit card later. But at the end of this, the computer, the phone, and the credit card number had all been shared. (laughs) And it, you know, so it it can happen to the best of us. And uh, Mm -hmm. so we got together. We ended up having to reload the uh, computer completely. They had put a key logger, which is a program where a remote person can watch every key you type, what's on the screen, all that kind of stuff. So even if your password's hidden when you put it in, they can still see what you're typing. So all the rest of it, getting into bank accounts, that type of a thing. And, uh, you know, when this type of thing happens, cut it off in the first place. First of all, no reputable security department will call you like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you do feel there's a concern, go on the Internet, get the phone number of who you're trying to contact from their website and call them. Don't use a phone number and an email and certainly don't take a call that comes into you. Both of those things are things. The next big red flag is they're never going to ask you to buy gift cards. And there's all kinds of variations on this scam from Amazon security department to it claims that they're the IRS and you'll be arrested immediately if you don't pay with Target gift cards, you know, or whatever. And Uh the thing of it is, is um, the IRS does not want Target gift cards. No, they don't. Uh, They would never do that. Utility companies (laughs) don't do that. The police don't do that. But they are very convincing. Yeah. You know? And they're very good at what they do. There was a scammer that um, called my mom and it was uh, an actor uh, crying in tears going, Grandma, I'm in jail, you know, and Mm -hmm. she did a good job of sounding really upset. 
and, and hysterical. And it was like, okay, this is really weird. <laughs> so I even talked to the person trying yeah. to figure out, you know, because I thought this was maybe one of my nieces. And I kept asking the same question, wouldn't answer it. And I'm like, right. that seems really weird. She's not right. stupid. Well, you know, you get busy and stuff too. I almost got caught on one of these. I get an email from Ace Hardware Rewards. At least that's what it said to me. Oh, great. I'm a member of the program. And there are some times where you get claim codes and things. So I click on it and it comes up to a fairly convincing website. And then I look up and the web domain ends in .ru, which is Russia. Uh, And I'm thinking, I don't think Ace Hardware would, you know, I just, but if I hadn't seen that, it, you know, it could have happened because you're dealing with something where, it, it It is convincing. Now, in a lot of cases, you're able to tell because there's misspelled words and the layout doesn't work and, you know, various different things like that. They've slapped in a logo, that type of a thing. But it's just something to be very, very careful because these things happen. And again, they happen to the best of us. If it does happen, as, you, as soon as you realize it, immediately call your bank, credit card, cancel the accounts, get them to change the numbers, stop everything, block everything, and then watch for a while. Credit monitoring is a good idea when these things happen and there's some ways to deal with it. But it is they are definitely out there. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions, and usually we answer a lot of questions, but this week we've had a focus on a number of different things, some of it because it's been in the news lately, and that's crowdfunding. And there's a lot hmm. of different crowdfunding sites out there. I, you know, Kickstarter's one that a lot of us have heard about. Indiegogo is another one. And some of these are good for a variety of different projects. And uh, Kickstarter, is a, for example, has raised over $6.5 billion since it started in 2009. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a lot of money. Uh, it is, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. There's when if you need a project funded, like if you're doing the one example that we have in, in common is the uh, lightsaber. You're right, right. Kyberlight, the Kyberlight lightsaber. We we both fund, you know, funded that. But like that was, I was waiting until the very end of that, and they they'd already they'd made their money. They were gonna get that thing done no matter what. But they got like four or five times what they were looking for. Well, you see things like that all over the place. The, a show we've talked about, the uh, uh, that new show on uh, Amazon, the D and D show. Oh, that one yeah. is uh, was done by crowdfunding, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were trying to raise money for one episode, and evidently got enough to make the whole season and is do a really Vox nice Machina? job of it. Yeah, yeah Vox yeah. Machina. Yeah, Vox Machina. And, and that's uh, that was cool. But I mean, I, I've seen a lot of different projects that just you know. Oh, yeah, that'll never make it. And then it's funded an hour. And you're like, wow. <laughs> well, and a lot of unique things. Back in the first version of User-Friendly, this would have been about 2015, 2016, we interviewed somebody that was doing crowdfunding to make board games. And he did quite well, I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was interesting to see where that ended up. And there's a lot of different products. I mean, from our standpoint, things like D&D dice that light up. There's some Bluetooth version of dice, I guess, that they did. And things across the board. And then there's projects that sometimes don't work out. So prior to the Amazon Echo Smart Speaker, they had another device that was being made and they raised money for. This is one that I had bought into and it never finished. Huh. So, you know, and that's one of the questions that's come out too is what, what and that kind of thing when that happens. And if the 
so the basically what the, the way these work, and we'll go over some of the other more specialized ones here in a minute, but basically the way these work is you set a goal for the amount of money you want to raise. And in most cases, if you don't hit that goal, you don't get anything. Right. So if uh, the contributors put money in, but you didn't hit whatever the goal was, the contributors would simply get their money refunded. Now, if you go over it, you can usually go over as much as you are able to, and you're able to keep the money. Now, the way the sites make money is they usually charge a percentage of what you raise. Mm-hmm. So, and that percentage varies from site to site a little bit. Five uh, percent on Kickstarter is an average, and Kickstarter. Some of the things, but just to use them as an example, once your fundraising uh, portion ends, if you meet your goal, there's a 14 day waiting period to get the funds, and so, a number of other things that go through there. They also reserve the right to jury what you're raising money for, but you know, some things they might not want, some things might be totally inappropriate and they'll take mm-hmm. it down right? and all of that type of stuff. So that's how they make their money is they make a percentage of the money you make. And, you know, some of the other sites that kind of have a special focus on these things, Patreon is one, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Which is one so. for digital creators. So this would be something like if you're an artist Mm-hmm. Or a blogger or a YouTube content creator, you know, things along those lines, artists that are doing their type of art that want to raise money for it. Right. And, and it also helps it also helps them to get paid so they can continue to do the art. Because I know there's several artists who that that's how they make their living. Right. But, you know, right. what they've got, you know, five hundred listeners who donate a dollar, they get five hundred bucks. I mean right. you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they, they work a little differently. They don't so much focus on the minimums, but they do charge more. There's three plans on their site that are either 5, 8, or 12% of what you raised, and depending on what features you need. And they do charge payment processing fees. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, so you want to look at that and just be aware of what's going on. But it's good for that. GoFundMe is another one that we've heard a lot about. And this one's more uh, when you want to raise money for you. <laughs> hmm. So I want to be funded for a project. I want to take a trip to Europe and uh, I, I would like so, you know, to see if I can get others to pay for that. That's kind of. Uh, you know, really just putting it out there. They're usually projects like someone going to college or, you know, in some cases, some more serious things like someone needing surgery. A friend mm-hmm. of mine had a, had a pet that they needed to raise money for to get the uh, surgery done on the pet. And they were able to successfully go through, do it through GoFundMe. And, cool. you know, again, they charge a little different method. It's 2.9% and 30 cents for every donation. So, uh, you know, that's huh. where they get their money. And, um, I, you know, I, you see some big numbers with this. Some some examples on there, the Las Vegas Victims Fund, we might remember that from a few years ago at $11.8 million. Uh, Time's Up Legal Defense Fund at $24.2 million. Uh, so these different type of things, uh, there's a lot out there, but that's where that focus of it is. But this goes on a lot further, too. There's some other sites that focus on things like if you want to raise money for equity investment. Huh. Um, I, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay uh you know uh, so uh, uh circle up is the name of that platform hmm. and um uh, it's interesting equity capital credit financing uh these different type of things and uh so if you want to go out and raise money for uh, something like that there's a site specifically for it and there's a whole list of these and hmm. uh, you know you want to be careful because uh, like we were saying earlier if you put money into a project and it never gets done uh, you might have a little bit of a hassle getting the money back. Now, I ran into this myself with that one project that I was starting to talk about, and I had to go through a process to request a refund. And uh, it took about six months. And then 
finally I got most of my money back, but they kept money for the processing fee or some such thing, but, uh, mm. you know, didn't completely get out of it. But most sites, and it varies from site to site, offer some protection to what you're putting in there. So it's just another thing you want to want to know about and want to be aware of with, with all of this. So, you know, it's an interesting idea. It's something that's out there. It's something that uh, you may interact with. It's something that you may even find is good for you to use, you know? Yeah, mm. hey, Jeremy, I have a question. Did you ever get that soap? No, uh, but she's been in contact with us uh, through the project. Yeah, it's a gelatinous uh, cube soap with dice in it. Oh, good. Yeah, she's been <laughs> she's been making the stuff. She's had problems shipping things uh, internationally, uh, and she had to uh, because of the of COVID and everything. It's been slowed. Her process has been slowed down a lot. But she's been keeping in contact with everybody. She's been shipping stuff. I haven't gotten mine yet, but I know it's it's coming because she keeps telling us that you know. The, I shipped out another batch. This is this batch is going here. This batch is going here. So okay, I'm no. not worried. So it's coming out. So anyway, check it out. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. As always, a great show this week. Love going through all of this stuff. And, you know, for our close this week, I, a couple of things that have come in that are questions. We didn't get to a Q&A, so these are some good things to be able to touch upon now. Is There's a lot of people that have been complaining about QuickBooks. So I looked into this and tried to figure out what was going on. Now, QuickBooks is an accounting software that a lot of businesses use. It's pretty easy to use. And, you know, for the grand scheme of things, it doesn't cost a lot of money until now. And what it is and what seems to be generating the gripe is the fact that they've moved to a subscription-only model. I can see However, why people this, are upset. <laughs> yeah, well, we and it, it takes it a step further. I've always said about subscription software that when it's a choice, I don't have a problem with it. And usually a subscription costs less per month than buying it outright. So it does take care of a barrier to entry for some small business and stuff. But that's not the case here. First of all, it seems like a one-year subscription is about the same price as the permanent license was. So you're not really saving any money. You have no choice to buy a permanent license anymore. And I talked to QuickBooks about this, and their response was, well, we were the last company that does accounting software to go to a subscription model. Now, to me, that's not an answer. It's also not true. I did a quick Google search and found out that there are other companies. I've never heard of any of them, but that do still sell one-time purchase accounting software packages. So that's what's going on here. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep this or not. But uh, I don't know. The subscriptions have their place and they make a lot more money for the companies. But I just I, for one, don't want to be forced into it. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, I, I, I've always been against the subscription based model. I don't know. It just seems kind of kind of crappy. If I so can the buy the whole that's, software, that's it. Then that's it. And that, you know, if you don't need to upgrade, then you're good to go. If you do, then then use whatever works for you. You know, mm. the other question that has come in is about autonomous vehicles. And we're about to have self-driving big rigs. A uh, uh, question on that is America ready? My answer to that is probably not. No. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but we are going to see this. The technology is coming down the road. Elon Musk made the comment that if Tesla is to remain competitive, they've got to get true self-driving cars at some point here. You know, so it's definitely something we're seeing. We're also seeing this with drones. Amazon is doing their first package delivery or trying to. They're having some trouble getting the permits where this is all done by AI and autonomous and different things like that. I have a funny feeling that 
10 years from now, we're going to be seeing things like jetpacks and speeders and all that kind of stuff as a normal part of our transportation, which That'd a lot fun. of that will be at least guided by AI. I'm sure they would be a lot of fun. I'm just waiting but, for maximum overdrive. Well, yeah, you know. I mean, you know, uh, that's, <laughs> that's 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 where I'm hoping we're not going to go because next step after that is Skynet. But, you know, we're just waiting. Yeah, well, Hopefully all that stuff just... They don't want to kill us all. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's hope we, we, we don't ever get there. I mean, who knows? You know, sci-fi and <laughs> reality seems to be bleeding over. That's one area I don't want to go through. The Matrix is another. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it'll be interesting to see where this goes, and we'll cover them coming up. So until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirdtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.